Hello and welcome to Publishers Weekly Insider. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly. Today we're going to take a look at recent developments, lawsuits, and possible rumors around Barnes & Noble. And to talk with us is our expert Jim Milliot, PW's Editorial Director. Jim, so glad you could join us. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Glad to be here. Andrew Albanese wrote a piece called In Counterclaim, BNN Says Former CEO Sabotaged a Sale. Let's go back a little bit to when Paneros was let go, and a lot of news unfolded then through his initial lawsuit with BNN. Right. Well, Paneros was uh, abruptly and quite surprisingly for most of the industry fired on uh, the day before the 4th of July. Um, I remember it well. I was getting ready for a cookout when somebody texted me and said, did you see what happened to Barnes & Noble? And in their relatively brief release, made again right before the 4th of July, which suggests they were not eager to get it out there, but in this day and age, everything gets out. They didn't really give a reason why he was let go. It was uh, kind of hazy. The only thing they said was what he didn't do, which that was that he didn't cook the books or anything like that. So all of Barnes & Noble's financial statements were sound. So it had nothing to do with anything like that, but they left it up to um, people's imagination. Wait, and, and that so, was basically course, people were thinking, oh, it must be sexual harassment. Right. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. In this day and age, sexual harassment was something people were certainly speculating about. Um, we heard some other rumors that maybe he had been fooling around with stock options, or, I mean, maybe the wildest one was that he had disclosed trade secrets to somebody. So, you know, it wasn't a good scenario for him uh, any way you, you looked at it. So, in uh, late August, Penaros um, filed a lawsuit uh, against Barnes & Noble, claiming he was um, you know, maligned. But also, we should go back and note that when they fired him, they fired him without severance, which was something they hadn't done, for instance, when they uh, let go his, his, uh, his predecessor, who they gave you know, a multi-million dollar settlement with. So... The intention of the lawsuit in August really was to earn roughly what he was thought it was around $4 million that he, was, he should be getting in severance. Tell us a little bit about how Len Riggio is, is handling this. I mean, he had stepped back throughout these various CEOs who've come on, or at least he said he'd stepped back, but now he's kind of at the forefront again. Well... Yes and no. Um, he always, <laughs> when past CEOs have been let go, he did step in as interim. In this case, they appointed a, a trio of executives to to run the day to day with Len, you know, certainly overseeing the whole operation. So it was it, it was slightly different than um, what had happened in the past. One of the, the bombshell revelation in Panaros' suit in August was that. Um, the company had been close to being sold, and that is something nobody had heard before. And in Perios' telling of it all, what had happened was, after doing due diligence for a while, this um, would-be buyer, who to this day nobody knows who it was, pulled out. So after the uh, sale fell through, according to Paneros at least, Riggio you know, was furious and started looking for people to blame, and pointed the figure at Paneros, and certainly in this most counterclaim, that's that's one of the real um, points that was made in what was essence filed 
Tuesday by uh, Barnes & Noble was the response to Panaros' uh, original lawsuit. So the uh, counterclaim says two things, that he sabotaged the sale and that he sexually harassed multiple women. Let's talk first about the sabotage of the sale. How exactly did they say he sabotaged it, creating what uh, uh, was described as an ugly mess? Right. Yeah. Well, or actually, I'm sorry. That know, was Pinero's describing DNA. According to this, you know, the due diligence by this guy had been going along, and they wanted to have a meeting with Pineros to uh, have him uh, explain some recent uh, sales declines. So at this meeting, uh, at least according to the lawsuit, I mean, he gave uh, a rambling monologue which failed to address the issues. Uh, questioned by the potential choir, and that's directly from the suit. He portrayed the company in extremely and unduly negative light with no realistic prospects for success. So, um, you know, terms like this, you know, if, if it's true, certainly wouldn't encourage somebody to buy the company. So the second part of that kind of proved what everyone was believing is about the sexual harassment. Well... They didn't really go into much more detail on that. No, that grabbed a lot of headlines in certain places. Um, the only really new thing in there was they said, well, that after he left, they had received more uh, accusations of harassment by Paneros. But the description of the initial complaint pretty much kept to the, uh, the picture painted in Paneros' own suit and that he had had contact with this one woman and they had, he had apologized and the woman said you know she wanted to drop the matter there wasn't too much disagreement on that it went to a little more detail but i mean i think really what comes out and what the major part of their their counter uh, suit is it's really that he 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 sabotaged the sale and that and the reason he sabotaged it was because he wanted to retain his uh, position as CEO of Barnes & Noble and felt that if the company was sold, uh, that wouldn't be the case. Mm, right, of course. So with all this going on, can we get an idea of what might lie ahead for Barnes & Noble? Um, well, in terms of the lawsuit, at least, um, there is a hearing scheduled for November 6th. So Andrew will be there, of course, and uh, we'll see where that's going to go. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what is going to be uh, – I don't think anything will be decided on that date. It might just be setting some dates and some preliminary hearings and that sort of thing. It's a big day in this country as well. Uh, what else is going on, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, so that's happening on Election Day. And in terms of the company, you know, they've – you know, they're, they're going forward um, the, sort of with the plans that they had already uh, outlined when Pineros was there. They opened uh, a couple of new test stores recently, uh, you know, smaller in size, putting some more emphasis uh, on books. At one point, they were going to get out of the educational toys and games business. That when they went Toys R Us went under, they decided that they would stay in it, and that seems to be doing pretty well. And they actually, uh, for the first time in a long time, predicted that for uh, the 
quarter, the final quarter of the year, which is the holiday season, that they're comparable store sales, which is, you know, sales of same number of stores compared to last year, would, would actually go up. And that hasn't happened in a long time. I can't put a specific date to it, but it's, it's been a number of years at least. One thing that they didn't mention, and they don't really have to mention, is that they didn't have a really great fourth quarter last year. So, you know, to top it is, is an achievement, but I would say the bar is not that high. You know, as I've been talking with publishing professionals, as I know you have, the, the one thing is what, what would this country be like without Barnes & Noble? I mean, people are thinking about it. What would happen? And I'm also curious to see what indies uh, have been thinking about the future of Barnes & Noble and how that might affect them. Yeah, well, uh, nobody in publishing, including independent uh, booksellers, want to see Barnes & Noble go under um, because it would really uh, upset the whole way, uh, well, for one thing, print runs are done. You know, Barnes & Noble is, you know, the second largest uh, retailer of physical copies behind Amazon. And so if you cut them out of the picture, I'm making this up, but a print run that might have been, let's say, 100,000 might go down to uh, 50,000. So your economies of scale, you know, for one thing, you know, go out the window. So everything just becomes much more difficult for publishers, you know, to maintain a reasonable profit. And, you know, and in Indies, we're going to recognize that. And, and it's not that, I don't think anybody really believes now there's too many bookstores. You know, lots, lots and lots of communities don't have any. Um, you know, a lot of places, you know, either Target or Walmart or, or chain store is, you know, the only place that carries a, even a modest selection of books. So, um, you know, no, no, Indies certainly aren't rooting for them, and, you know, publishers certainly aren't rooting for them, and, you know, they're their second biggest client. Right. Well, Jim, thank you so much. Mark, always happy to be here. Oh, great to have you on, and we'll see what happens on November 6th. And meanwhile, our listeners encouraging you all to vote on that day. Lots of stuff happening. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly. Please be sure to subscribe to PW Insider on iTunes, and we'll uh, see you next week.